rise and shine. Welcome to Mercury Magnetics. You are the master of your own creation and I am your host, Kyla Arnold. Just like the curious, clever, witty planet of Mercury, this podcast holds space for communication. Each episode, a conversation with someone I've been very curious to speak to. May it provoke self-inquiry on your pursuit for self-knowledge. Welcome Joseph Tuttle to Mercury Magnetics. Many of you who are locals here in Eureka Springs are probably familiar with Joseph's bodywork and also his positive attitude. Today our conversation has a lot of different angles and takes and I hope you enjoy what Joseph has to say. I've learned all kinds of different energy healing modalities or whatever and that kind of thing. Um, but the, and then I worked at a health clinic as after I got my massage license and primarily did cranial psychotherapy and, and energy healing so people would come in and like our doctors can't figure us out our psychiatrists can't figure me out the naturopath can't figure me out you're the, like the last you're the end of the rope so it was my job to jump into mysteriousness to learn how to do things for folks so instead of like Instead of like reading a manual, or would you, so you read a bunch of stuff, you gathered your own knowledge, but then when it came down to it, you found your own way, is what you're saying? Um, Yes and yes. So I had to, I was reading all kinds of stuff and um, trying to get effective at all kinds of different Mm -hmm. things from what I read. And also naturally you would encounter things that you didn't read Mm -hmm. or that you would uh, be led in a place that you didn't know about. And so you would discover new information in the same way that the persons who were writing those things that you've read discovered information. First-hand experience. Right, first-hand experience on on tables. Personal experience. Yeah, Yeah, on tables with clients. Mm -hmm. So you'd encounter different things or you'd be shown a different energy work modality that you'd never considered before and then you'd do that and they would do the thing. So amazing, fabulous, ridiculously uh, miraculous results on a regular basis for years. So during that time, I studied um, astral projection because I kind of came part and parcel to the whole thing and then took about a month to get it down where I could do it um, nearly every time I chose to and then regularly astral projected for about a year, year and a half on a regular basis. Okay, so... so But my experience that was of primary interest to you, it's not in the astral projection world. It doesn't, it's not that. It's totally different. All right, I wanna, I, I find this fascinating, so I want to actually talk about both. And sure. I wanna do a comparison between the two. And I'm not, you know, an exhaustive master at it. So, I know. But I can give you whatever my practical I, I, experiences. All I want yeah. is your personal experience. Sure. So, um, Astral travel or astral projection, would those be the same thing? Yeah, basically? that's pretty synonymous. Yeah. Okay. And then can you just explain like maybe how you began to do that during that time frame? Like would you sit in meditation and then what would happen? Sure, sure. Um, <clears throat> um, maybe explanatory caveat because I didn't really consider this as a thing because I was raised in an environment where you didn't have Coca-Cola 
or Pepsi because there's no caffeine. You definitely didn't smoke. You didn't do drugs, hard or otherwise. So all of my experiences and stuff were sans substances because... Without was, substances. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyway, um, well, astral projection is something that... Um, uh, a lot of the recountings of astral projection is very similar with the first parts of people who shared near-death experiences. How they're like up above their bodies, you know, they're kind of seeing the world around them, or they go into this sort of matrix sort of looking world that's any variety of mirroring or different from the current physical plane. Um, so astral projection, there there were a couple books that I read, one particularly that was I found to be very simple, very effective, and the fastest effects, and those friends of mine who I shared that information with, they found this one to be more effective too. I think it was called Astral Journey. Anyway, I'll... I want to see it, cool. for yeah. sure. When I see it, I'll know <clears throat> uh, But I'll show it to you. Um, uh, meditation... In the similar that you would, in the similar way that you would prep for any type of um, meditative, spiritual sort of dive, it's the same way that you would prep for this. Um, but also knowing the information, knowing what you're after, knowing what you're going for, um, kind of begins to create your orientation. And your then your launch trajectory. Mm -hmm. um, astral travel um, for me was a, a profound exercise in deliberate and focused in um, mental exertion and relaxation at the same same time. So you had to discipline yourself to to hold both in your in your mind and in your psyche at the same time. And that was a, one of the fun okay. challenges. So you had to be extremely focused mm -hmm. and extremely relaxed at the same time on what you were doing. You had to do certain things exactly. Mm -hmm. So when you would when you would slow everything down, when you'd slow your heartbeat down, lower, 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 mm -hmm. and of course having all this information that you've read stacked in your brain, mm -hmm. um, and then there were certain sensations that you would focus on and magnify. <laughs> what if I missed like? The train. It feels and sounds like a super, super intense vibrating sound, and it sounds like a rushing train, like you were to sit next to a train track mm -hmm. and feel all that kind of stuff. So the, the vibratory phase was the most interesting, and then kind of willing and letting your body, your um, astral projection copy self, mm -hmm. project out. So your awareness move into it, mm -hmm. and then willing it to separate from your body. And there's a couple different ways that it would would happen. Um, for me, oftentimes my my projection, my astral self would sort of spin out of my physical body. On more occasions than not, it would kind of spin out and kind of I would fly spin out onto the floor. And, onto the floor? Yeah. So there's a lot of like the rise up. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of imagery of the rising mm -hmm. up one. Mm -hmm. So that would happen pretty often. That's how I learned. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the, the easiest one is that it would change out and then I would spin out onto the floor. 
Okay, um, so you definitely felt the moment of separation from oh yeah. your physical body. Mm-hmm. So you're so basically, would you agree that it's is it taking your consciousness that's here in this physical body on this plane and just reuniting it or moving it wherever it wants to go? Is that what astral travel is? Well, you have all these different um, vehicle bodies, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> they that your conscious, deliberate self can focus into. So right now, and we take our physical plane for granted. There's a lot to going on in the physical plane that we don't realize is going on. Like mm-hmm. a shark feeling the heartbeat of something in the ocean far away. Mm-hmm. It's not like freaked out going, holy shit, this is freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Or an anteater with its nose in the ground that mm-hmm. can feel the heartbeat of mm-hmm. the ants that it's looking for. Mm-hmm. It's not going, well, I don't know, maybe it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> There's a lot of things that we that we pass off as the mundane that we don't realize that that is a part of our, of our whole experience. Mm-hmm. And so, and our earth plane is something that we really have passed off into the mundane and we don't mm-hmm. realize exactly what it is really. Mm-hmm. Even our experiential non-metaphysical perspective on things, we really don't realize what is actually going on, that what we're doing and what we're experiencing for the fucking mind-blowing amazing thing that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so we have different, our, our Okay, our I have awareness a question self. right here. I have a yeah. question. Yeah. So would you say that where we are now is an astral travel? Um, not in vocabulary, but I think the essence of what you're saying, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's one of the things that I learned in, in my, um, when one of my big journeys was that going to the earth dimension was like a mind-blowing freaking knock your socks off holy crap like, type type of trip mm-hmm. for our souls coming and doing the earth plane dimension it's like holy shit you know it just blows our minds um and that kind of really helped me help magnify and accelerate the the wow and the appreciation of, and the, the wonder and, and awe and the lack of gratitude af- afraid the gratitude and the lack of fear of Releasing the fears and yeah, yeah, all of that. Yeah, all we, of the, we all think of this the is small perspectives of daily ins and outs is kind of yeah dissolves a little bit when you have a different perspective. Yeah, and and it's and it's interesting because you can still get wrapped up, as it were, in the normal right. dailies. Yeah, which is fine <laughs> and good, and it's it takes the edge off of it, the, the potency of agitation off, mm-hmm. or fear off, or want, or worry or whatever, and it adds more of that wonder in. Um, but it's, it's interesting how impactful just remembering on and being thankful for the experiences will bring them back and magnify them. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I imagine we'll drift all over the place in our conversations, but... Okay. Yeah, that's the astral... So I would, <clears throat> I would do that and. Okay, when you were doing that, interesting experiences. were you, were you seeking something specific, most of the time, or were you just exploring? I was just exploring, um, and 
curious about the information mm -hmm. that I had acquired about it from other people's information. Mm -hmm. um, and also trying to stay open-minded because especially now and, 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 and to a significant degree then, but I don't think as, as, um, as significant, but now I, I'm very, very, very cautious about what I read and what I listen to. Like I don't, I'll, I'll let things come in, you know, I'll pay attention and I'll try to, like I was a voracious reader and a voracious studier um, when I was younger. Uh, not so much now because I don't, I want to, I want to be the true observational scientist in the sense that I want to find and experience what is regardless of what I bring to you want to be unbiased. My assumptions, man. Yeah, I want to be unbiased. So, and it's <clears throat> and it's easy to get so consumed and amazed and wowed and reading all the books and listening to all the podcasts. And yeah. Just consume, 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 consume. It's really easy to go there. And yeah. it's really easy to um, accept it as a truth. Mm. Um, I'm kind of the same way. Like I, I don't. I will take things in and I let them go as quickly as I take them in and I'll run them through a discernment filter for sure but until I personally have an experience with it I don't credit anything as fact no. even if I do have an experience with it I still don't credit as <laughs> so you're fact. like question my experience <laughs> like, like I'm the biggest expert on myself and I have no clue yeah, about more, me truly yeah the more I learn the less I know like there's the more I'm like fascinated about and there's like consistencies or parallels or correlations, but ultimately I'm just observing, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, there's a lot of observing going on. yeah, so I think most of it too is like, especially in this time. And if you think about it from a human design perspective is we're all here to become our own authorities. Right? We're not, for the last at least 500 years in the last era, we were relying upon outside authorities mostly to formulate, to have a leader basically is why. So then we could create all these systems and infrastructures and globalize and have processes basically. But now we're moving out of that and we're realizing that the only authority that actually exists is within us. And this is what this whole new era is about. Mm. And yeah. so you can, that doesn't mean you can't collaborate with someone or that you can't hear their experience, but you can't place your, you have to be sovereign, you know? Yeah. And um, you can, what I've observed with people right now is that there's people who's, Accepting that and rolling with that and leaning in towards their own sovereignty and then there's people who are extremely terrified of doing that because they've never done it before. When a lot of people get rewarded with a superior person badge and award yeah. from those who, <clears throat> like you get apples from apple trees, right? So you'll get a larger authoritarian will breed smaller ones. Mm -hmm. So. And you do that by granting superior person awards and by harping on fears. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people that 
down the side of them, they would like it, you know, or they have compassion for the people who they have compassion for, but those who are different from them, they don't, they despise, they hate the haters or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of people that are seduced away because of the superior person award that they're granted and, um, and uh, fear. Yeah. But yeah, but society in general, we're moving to this thing, which is why the authoritarian um, philosophy is, is clutching so hard right now and implementing all these things and why so many people are cheering for it mm-hmm. and why so many more people are going, you know, we're tired of being pitted against our neighbor. We're mm-hmm. tired of, of, of this type of thing. We want to live more free, more free and more agreeable and yeah. more naturally in harmony with our neighbor than, yeah. than otherwise. It's interesting. Yeah to observe right now. Yeah, yeah, everybody's feeling it. A lot of people are feeling it and on board sooner than others, but yeah. you definitely feel that's the that's what the shift is. Yeah, and the people who are at the top of systems who are in charge, who have been breeding smaller apples, you could say, or whatever, they're starting to tighten their grip a little bit, or a lot, because they feel it too. Yeah, they feel it too. And it's funny though, because it, and it's easy for, for those persons, us, who are not at the top gripping down to, to say these things. But, and it's an interesting thing because the, the notion that, you know, clear your own nose out, you know, get the, get the freaking log out of your own eyes, right? Is it the same type of thing like on the airplane, put your own mask on first? Or is that a different? Well, no, it's, it's kind of like, um, well, we ask ourselves, you know, if we want others to treat us differently, we you don't ha- don't hang around for them to do so. You start treating yourself differently. You start mm-hmm. changing you. You know what I mean? Always, always how you handle things is yours, mm-hmm. and always improving your own contribution to the situation is yours. So, like, um, a lot, of, and you you listen to um, the authority authoritarian types at the, you know, the top the clutch down mm-hmm. and it it's funny because if you actually listen to people who like get all the girls or who are really rich or who have a lot of power and you actually listen to what they say and try to stop writing books and interpreting like instead of writing books about a princess from a peasant's perspective mm-hmm. why you just ask the princess what mm-hmm. does the princess say so a lot of these authoritarian type persons who are elitist at the top they'll say why they do this they'll tell you right off the bat it's really funny like with royals or whatever they'll say people are like petty they lack vision they're contentious mm-hmm. they're consumed with this with stuff and competition and not getting along they're they're full of all these prejudices and all this stuff and this is why we despise it because of visionless and petty and, and and bickering and fighting amongst themselves all the time and that's why we despise them and so if you want to find out why they do what they do, you just listen to their mouth and they'll tell you. And so always it's kind of like the whole, I, I'm not a pulpitized religious person at all. So when I say these things, exit out all those assumptions. And there's, there's a reason why um, um, uh, rejectable and, and, and distasteful things are mixed in with good things. There's lots of reasons for that. One of them is so that we, so that we choose and we discern and we reject the detestable stuff out of things. So I'm going to say something in the Christian world that 
exercise some emotional intelligence and don't get yourself wrapped up with things that you despise because you should be despising them. Anyway, but the whole Christian idea of, you know, your problem isn't the Romans, it's you. You know, you have this superiority complex, you have this bickering thing, you have this me versus them mentality and all this kind of stuff. So fix it, take care of that. You know, you worry about those other things, you know, later. You fix you first. And there's a lot of profound value to that because that's always what you have presently in front of you, how you handle things. So the only thing that's in your control, basically. Yeah, that is always within your control. And if, if, if you want to be stopped, if you want to stop being treated like an animal, stop acting like one, at least. At least take care of that part. <laughs> you know, no offense to animals, right? But stop acting like one. Stop being so damn petty. Stop being so contentious and all this stuff. And, and that's, you know, very practical advice for like a lot of people. Are, it's very popular to complain about the narcissists, and no doubt there are. Um, but who, who's going around saying, "Man, I, I'm I'm an echo. I got to change my life." You know, what percentage of the people who are complaining about narcissists are saying? A narcissist only showed up because remember, I was an echo. Do you remember at this fall when I had this conversation with you? In the basement. Mm. Do you mm. remember that? Mm -hmm. Like all day, me and Sky were talking about narcissism, and I was like telling her, I'm like, narcissism couldn't exist unless there was another counterpart. But I didn't know that in literature there already was a counterpart because nobody yeah. talks about it. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. All the echoes are like, ah, oh, those damn narcissists. Yeah. Not the narcissists are like those damn echoes. <laughs> yeah. But nobody listens to that other counterpart. Yeah, so I, I didn't even know. I, so I was, I thought I was like inventing something. Like I thought I was special, and I was like, I'm going to make up a word for it. You know, I'm like, I'm going to create something to balance out the narcissism that people can work on because I was a victim of narcissism or you could say I was an echoist or whatever now that I have a terminology for it multiple times mm -hmm. but anyway um, so I just read the story right um, and then I was like her name was Echo and so I was like I'll call it an echoist you know <laughs> and I'm like I had made all this up right and then I go, I go to like Google it or something like I don't know I looked into it a little bit further after I read the story and I was like oh it already exists like this is already a total thing. little did you know that you were tapped in but I made like I was right in line with what is already down you know no and I I think you bring up an interesting point because I I believe that through experience and wow not like I have an idea let's go prove it therefore I'm gonna What's, what's that term where we go and we have this notion and we go and um, we kind of clap, we kind of um, echo chamber ourselves, sound box ourselves. We only look for the evidence that purports our theory and then mm -hmm. we like, see, I'm right. Mm -hmm. Not quite like that. But I think that <clears throat> people who are earnest and sincere, who pursue principled paths of truth, mm -hmm. will arrive at the same conclusion. Exactly, yeah. I was like, well, it makes sense that this it's all recycled it's all recycled truths and so i i didn't find it that bizarre that i came up with the same same thing that was already <laughs> of course <laughs> like of course you did <laughs> yeah. but it's funny because it's true you can't um like the whole time i was a victim of narcissism the only the thing that would have completely cured my victimization is removing myself from the situation. 
If you don't have a victim, then you don't have a problem. Then you're not a perpetrator. <laughs> you yeah. know, they require a victim. And, vice and victims, versa. Re- yeah, vice versa, victims require it. Exactly. So a lot of times, like you hear about the, the you know, so many, well, particularly with women, because they talk more about it than men do, but they're like, oh, you know, all these all these jerks and all this kind of stuff. And, and But if you get trained that that's how things are, and if, if you don't find a jerk, then then you'll keep looking until you find one, and mm-hmm. you'll somewhere down inside of you, you're finding that jerk. You're bypassing the, quote, nice guy. Yeah. And you'll find this jerk. Uh, what if, and then, then you'll be like, see, you know, that's how it is. Or sometimes you won't even mm-hmm. find the jerk, but then you'll make someone a jerk, or you'll bring it out of them. And then some people are so dedicated to it that if they can't bring it out or make it, they'll just accuse them of being that way mm-hmm. and then create a fantasy and then mm-hmm. move on to it as well and say, you're not validating my feelings. You're not validating my emotions. You're gaslighting me. You don't believe all these things that I'm saying and that I'm feeling because I'm feeling all these things because I'm feeling it. It must be true. Mm-hmm. And you have a different reality than mine and you're doubting mine, so you're gaslighting me and blah, blah, blah. And then they'll go on to the next thing and they, you know, if it happens a couple of times, it's probably not them, it's you. Yeah, and it's the same thing. It's the same thing from both sides, and it all yeah. comes down to boundaries. If someone's treating you in a way that is no longer supportive to your evolution, then you have to make a choice. You can either stay and continue learning the lesson, or you can say, I'm going to interface with something else now. Mm. Yeah. And that was, that was a big thing when I had the death experience that he was saying to me on a regular basis. Yeah. Let's pause there. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. The choice thing. We'll pause there and go. Pause and we'll go right to that. So, um, so that we talked about astral travel a little bit, kind of what it was. And then there's all kinds of different levels and realms and things. That's really fun. That you can explore. But on a personal note, Uh just for experiential on on an experiential application of this for a long time. Yeah, why'd you quit? It it didn't bring me the things that I sought for. Okay. Was there information? Mm -hmm. Was there experience? Was there neato stuff? Mm -hmm. Yes. Was it what I was looking for? No. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. It wasn't advancement. It was a whole lot of lateral. Was it a whole lot of intellectual understanding in a way, or like a lot of intellectual and a lot? Yes, a lot of things you could pile into the realm of intellectualism uh-huh. and exper- experiential intellectualism. Yeah. But there's no end to that stuff. Right. There's no end. Like to what? Uh, what is it bringing back? What's what's applicable in our present world? That's what you're saying. Right. You weren't finding I wasn't a gold nugget to bring back and really share or improve your life or yeah. those around you. Yeah. Not not especially no. Um, a, a year and a half of doing it really pretty regularly, like mm-hmm. a couple of times a week. Was, okay. I was just like, okay, well this is wonderful and. I'm being very entertained. Did you feel addicted to it? Um, at first, because it was it was a freaking rush. It was incredible, of course. You know, when you pass into the matrix world and you know you can see through the floorboards and through the walls, and then travel down your neighborhood and go into different scapes and mindscapes of you mm-hmm. and your mental world and your um, interpretation of things, your horrors, your fears, the overlay into the astral world and all that stuff and then into the spiritual stuff and all those things. 
Yeah, it was pretty neato. Okay, one more question about it and we'll move on. Yeah. So, do you believe that um, when you're traveling in the astral planes, mm -hmm. and other planes, I guess, I'm not an expert on it, but anyway, when you're traveling around, do you believe that it is, the framework is the same for, like, there's, there's, so if I were to astral travel, I would experience not necessarily the same experience, but certain laws on different astral planes right, that yeah. are the same. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> just like here, there's physical laws that are for Earth and this realm. Mm. Are there other realms that have laws that anyone who goes there will clearly yeah, have to operate under? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'll you'll en you'll en so um, basically engage the same consistency mechanics. of yeah, like a map, like you could map it out. Yeah, and funny enough, actually, there's a place in the UK right now that's mapping the DMT world because if people have DMT experiences, it's not as personalized of a message. Mm -hmm. It's more of a of a mushroom thing. one. Like you go to the same place. Mm -hmm. Like okay. all of you peel back the same layer and you're in the same room, seeing the same thing. Okay, cool. So there is some personalization, and mm -hmm. of course, not all rooms are the same, or mm -hmm. and, you know you can move. Mm -hmm. But it's it's very, um, in a sense, hard mappable. Mm -hmm. The astral world. One of the reasons why there's so much information on it as well is that its principles and the different layers and stuff and such of it are pretty hard mappable. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah. Okay, and so the whole reason we started this little conversation series is because you you have had some incredible experiences with psilocybin mm -hmm. and um, I want to talk about that now and how it's different than astral travel yeah uh, well <laughs> the main difference is that okay well psilocybin you know there's a lot of people who take it um, take it to you know have a good experience you know you're at a, a concert you're at a pause Sorry, I have to pee. So I can just pause this, but I really have to pee. Okay, so before yeah, before we go any further, I want to add, uh, add or say something that's important about the whole class thing. We were talking earlier about the elites and then the this kind of thing. There's this 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 division of us them is always unhealthy, whether it's vertical or it's lateral, and. <clears throat> viewing our viewing our relationship with those to our left and right or those above or below us as an us versus them is extremely hazardous um, and we it's very easy and convenient for us to put those who are elitists or in, in positions of authority into this sustainable category and that's what one of the reasons why there isn't disdain that's exchanged also top-down is that that separation we're mm -hmm. very excited about and when we realize and 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 treat persons in these positions of influence and power as our fellows as our friends as a great as a great position and opportunity to have love and compassion and have opportunity for then that also begins to change mm -hmm. Um, because if it comes to we're right, you're wrong, you know, a human sitting down in a room conversing with each other, 
no matter their social um, uh, distance and status from each other, mm-hmm. that mentality will just crumple it. Mm-hmm. So there it's, has to it's be common. a bridge to break that gap, right? Of different, the different experiences they're having. What is the common denominator? Right, and seek out the common that seek out the common denominator. Magnify what you have in common mm-hmm. and what you love about the other person mm-hmm. long before you ever go into what your differences are, and then continually remunerate and celebrate and bring back to that common denominator when you're navigating any differences that need to be resolved mm-hmm. or that just need to be left. Because sometimes we just cover different parts of the social field. Mm-hmm. And someone needs to cover this side and someone needs to cover that side and that's why you're different. Yeah, but not better yes. or worse. But not better or worse. Yeah, and that's yeah. important. We should value different things. Right. And we have different capacities and different influences and we should um, put an extreme value on that. Yeah, so ideally, um, people at the top, you could say, if they have compassion and understanding and love for the people, say at the bottom, just I'm and, just generalizing, mm-hmm. and then vice versa. Vice versa is very If important. the people at the bottom realize that they're not less than, and because I feel like they play the victim role as well yeah, a lot. Yeah, they do. So instead, who, of, who wants to have people around you that you're not like that you don't and that you don't see as an important critical part of your personal and social ecosystem. Yeah. Like if they're so different, you would reject them mm -hmm. naturally. Yeah. And yeah, I think if the, the lower class, which is the majority were to step into their power and not play the victim role Mm -hmm. as just the narcissist echoist example, Mm -hmm. you could say that the, the regular class or the poor class or anyone who's not the elite is playing an echoist role. Yeah. Right. So the, they can choose, they have a few options, but all, like if there is something to um, improve, right? Like you, things are not perfect and that's why we're here, right? To choose? We're here to choose. So. To love and to choose, yeah. To observe, to love, to observe, to always have love, but to observe and then decide what it is we want. Massive, right? yeah. So it, as the people, not the elite, but as a people that's not the elite, playing an echoist role, they can decide, hey, I actually am just as powerful as you. I'm as power. We are equals. I'm not a victim, and I have choices that I can make to empower myself, which in turn would empower or disempower. It doesn't matter. Which yeah, because well, yeah, well, empowering is a big, a big part of empowering is like what you're driving at is having fellows yeah like when you go and you hang out somewhere you hang out with fellows or with those who are an important part of what constitutes your your ecosystem your mm-hmm. valued ecosystem and you don't like those things that are that are um contrary to that or so unfellow or who are un, who are antagonist to that mm-hmm. the ethos that you have so yeah i mean if we get rid of our echoism mm-hmm like you're talking about, and stop playing the role of the victim, and it'll make a huge difference. It'll make everybody despise others and themselves less and less and less. And that's yeah, a very practical think, thing I, to do in the world of the mundane. Yeah, and I think it's important just to realize uh, your power, too. That helps you realize your power. It's like 
okay, yeah, society might be operating under less than ideal circumstances. There might be greed at play. There might be injustices that we see. But ultimately, we are all, um, we get to choose and we have power to do what we can on a daily basis to be what we want to be and not put the power or responsibility into someone else. Yeah, exactly. You make the choices and, and whatever you don't choose, whatever power you don't take in your life, you abdicate it to, mm-hmm. to somebody else yeah. who may or may not have good intentions. Yeah. It's, it's maliciousness and ignorance that are, are these things we need to expunge from ourselves. Yeah. And we don't know that except for through our experiences and, and, and exploring those. Yeah, it's, and I do feel like um, money in general can make it easier to be ignorant. And the possession or pursuit? Um, just or the, 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 if you are born into a life or you stumbled upon money, you have a lot of money really early on. I think that is a, it makes it easier to remain ignorant. Mm. Ignorant of certain life experiences or Yeah, ignorant or? of suffering, ignorant of uh, mm. humanity, ignorant of compassion, ignorant of empathy. Mm. Yeah, when we're ignorant of those things, it really hurts us. Yeah, and I'm not saying it happens with everyone who has money. I'm not saying that at all, yeah. but I do think it's like wearing bubble wrap whenever you've never taking yourself and actually known what it's like to to suffer in the physical world for food shelter those simple things mm. that they've never had to people with a lot of money have never even they can't even really fathom it and so it makes it easier to remain ignorant in my opinion mm. yeah and there are people with great Wealth, who who have always been wealthy, who are influential philanthropists, totally, me, mm-hmm. and who have compassion. Yeah, having let's, never let's suffered. Let's talk about a few of those people. Who do you? Who comes to your mind? I know one person who comes to mind. Well, Jane Goodall comes to my mind. She never like always. Had, oh, she had money. Basically, she had some money. Mm-hmm. She was never like born super wealthy or anything. But to me, she is one of the people that come to my mind. Is Jane Goodall. Mm-hmm. What about you? I don't have names that come to my mind because most of the information that I have as experiencing and seeing this was from when I was a kid. Oh, like people you know? Oh, I would see it acted out from people that I know and I would see it acted out on a, on a world stage as well. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and so the owner of Patagonia seems to be uh, pretty compassionate and wise. Yeah. So I, I think that I think that money does cushion you, but it doesn't... It doesn't grant us or or it's neutral. Um, absolve us from as much things as we think. I think it's very, very neutral. It's neutral. It obviously allows you to not suffer certain things, which is good. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people who are very poor, um, who have not very much money, who are more obsessed about it than other folks, and who are also very low on the you know on on the compassion end of things mm-hmm. for suffering. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that. I think there is, there is, there is ignorance, and I've never experienced this myself personally, 
Um, but there's, but that doesn't mean that we can have that we don't have compassion. There's an there's an important thing. Like as a parent, I I um, I see the great value in this because I had a certain childhood growing up, or you know, life experiences and this kind of thing. And here I am interacting with my child. Um, <clears throat> thinking of a particular individual <laughs> at a particular age right now, and my young kid and. And they're doing something that is socially abrasive and, or destructive to themselves and, and the persons around them. And it's very justifiable for me to jump in and, and want them to suffer some so that they have gained an experience so that they make a change. And our assumption on the necessity of the suffering of others to gain compassion and to gain experience so that they can love and be healthy and all this kind of stuff is a lot less than I, it's a lot less important mm -hmm. than I thought it was. Suffering and, and encountering these things is important and critical, but it's, it's not something that is as critical as we think because if yeah, any good responsible parent yeah doesn't you don't want your kids to go through certain things so they don't have to because you, you can learn a lot of lessons without suffering through yeah. them and you can learn them by the act of an incredible amount of love mm -hmm. from another person into your life right and you can learn and acquire the the victory of it without having to experience so much difficulty and i think that that's true on a very, very grand and a very, mm -hmm. very personal level. Um, I do too. Yeah. I don't think it's necessary to suffer to gain wisdom. But I think that a lot of times the suffering is a catalyst for gaining wisdom. Yeah, it is a catalyst. And I think that it needs to happen because you can make correlations. You can make perspective. Uh, there's, Just as there's, love would be a catalyst. Either yeah, way. Yeah, real love is, is amazing. Maybe that's thing. our biggest choice we're here to make. Choose black act. That was one of when I was in that place. That was. <laughs> That's our probably our biggest choice. Do you want to learn through suffering or do you want to learn through love? Yeah, it was pretty big shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's here, go to that. And here's here here's a yeah. God, we're kind of stepping all over. Our, our feet are all in the mud now. So that was one of the more, more interesting things because um, it felt like this experience also sort of aftershocked itself into the future and revealed itself into the past. And one of the um, aftershocks in, into the future of the experience since um, was very much that I that idea. Like you, I have suffered so that you don't have to. Mm -hmm. That is a fucking amazing concept, especially in our interactions with people. And that's kind of my when I was seeing that interaction with my son. The following day, after learn seeing something and learning something about mm -hmm. that, that I have suffered enough in life so that in our relationship and in our interactions with you, I don't require you to suffer to to change, to learn, to mm -hmm. do these things. That your transformation comes through my love and my compassion, mm -hmm. and that is how this great change happens. Um, the biggest. Yeah, 
suffering is, is a catalyst and it makes it makes um, it makes the turn in the path happen. Yeah. Do you think but that post at one that, time suffering? Yeah. So that's yes. the thing. At one there time, has to be yeah, it has to be a critical point of yeah. suffering. Mm-hmm. And then but I so you're saying you feel like we're we as a humanity, as a species, as the globe are to a point where we no longer need, we've gained all the experiences we need from suffering. We can. We, we have, can. We can choose yeah. now to operate differently. We can. Mm. Is that what you, like the great awakening or what people are saying in this transition? Do you feel like we're at a point? I, I think enough people are feeling it. You, you talk to people, it's just interesting, and they're like, the people who are feeling it are feeling it. And what mm-hmm. they're feeling is the same thing. Yeah. And it's it's funny. Like, it's it's uncanny how... <laughs> How often? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I'm, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know, but it definitely seems to be buzzing in the air. Yeah. And people are talking about it, and so that's a big deal. Yeah. That's a very big deal. That's a very big deal. That our minds, our consciousness, are all feeding into a similar script. And it's gaining momentum and power. And that, um, there was, on the subject of suffering, let me kind of mm-hmm. bring you up to yeah. kind of the curve in the road that really happened that bring about this, this whole, this whole experience, not just the particular apex that we're, mm-hmm. we're talking about, about the death. Um, like I was going through a whole lot of stuff in life. I, I won't bring you. I won't tell you all the experience. I've, I've shared when, with you though? some of it. You know. When? Well, what was, are you talking about? You're talking about a kid, adult. I'm talking last about week? like um, <laughs> last year, about a year and a half, two years ago. I was all the suffering, all this crazy shit, with all justifiable reasons mm-hmm, totally. to be mad, scared, suffering, all this kind of stuff. Um, even though I knew it was coming, you could mm-hmm. feel it, you know, spiritually whispered to me and being prepared and like, all right, buckle up, man. Sorry, mm-hmm. it's going to hurt more. And then, yeah. you know, it's going to last longer. Here you go. All this kind of crazy <laughs> stuff. So even though I was being forewarned and, and kind of comforted from the full insanity of it all, it was still going on, you know. Mm-hmm. All this suffering in my life from, um, this, this is not... This is not about me. It's not about those particular things. But all the suffering and stuff was going on all at the same time. And it hit this apex where physiologically I couldn't handle it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, like my blood pressure and heart rate and my mental state and the franticness, the madness of my mind, how much screaming and yelling and crying and stuff I was going on through mm-hmm. driving in the car mm-hmm. and just barely holding my shit together. Mm-hmm. You know, it got to this point and I was, and I was, um, learning about Wim Hof mm-hmm. and the whole cold thing. So I was in the shower <laughs> and I'm like, this is going to be great. I got this, just this strong pressure. I'm like, I got, I got to do this uh-huh. right like now. now. Something's going to happen. It. Boom. Yeah. And, and I turned the water on cold and I just stood there and I had this awesome somatic emotional experience where extreme pain went all over my whole body. And then my body was just yelling out to me, not about the moment it was experiencing then, but what it was telling me about my whole, um, because I had gone through all this crazy legal stuff and kids being taken away and justices in the system and all kinds of other kind of crazy ass shit. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and and then the, the pinnacle of life contradiction falling apart, but also this rebirth happening. Anyway, so I was in the shower, and it's cold water, and the somatic, intense somatic experience comes over me. My body's like, you have hurt us so much by what you have thought mm-hmm. and by what you have felt and how you have handled everything that is that we have been... Um, that it's been our job to carry you through and to get you through and to do all this stuff. You have been hurting us so much. And if you keep going any farther, we're going to start to break. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't want to break and you don't want to break. And you know, you've, you've got to change. My body was like yelling and I was like sobbing. And it's like, baby, you need to be thankful for us for mm-hmm. doing it. You know, no, no, there's like, you need to be sorry. For us. I was like, holy shit. And I was just like, I'm so sorry for what I did to my body. Like the intelligence of my body were mm. like, you have put us through hell. <laughs> not not them. I know, all all I the know. justifiable reasons, all the crazy yeah. stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. All that justifiable. Justifiable reasons be damned. Right. That's a great. If you want to go through life with the mm-hmm. slogan, justifiable yeah. reasons be damned, that's mm-hmm. a great one to go through. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you... Yeah, you still stop. chose. You, you still chose. Yeah, you to chose hold to feel to and to it, think and to hold on to and to, to hold on to it yeah. and to create a thought pattern that was unsupportive to your well-being. Yeah, absolutely. I was sitting there in, in paradise and put there for a good reason because if I was anywhere else in the world or in the country where I was, I, 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 like if I was in Chicago going through, what I was going through, mm-hmm. I would have. Where were you at? I was here in okay. Eureka Springs. Okay. So, <laughs> but, but, but if I, but if I was anywhere else in a yeah, less beautiful, yeah. less calming, right. less conducive yeah. for chill out, right. I would have not yeah. survived my life experience. So, um, yeah, so I had that crazy experience and then you had a redemption. Yeah. I, I, I had to be like, I'm, I'm sorry. Then you, know, you had I, to resurrect to yourself. Well then afterwards in the bathroom, <laughs> I'm sitting there and have this this um in the room this big presence comes down and i I don't care who i'm offending and offend everybody or i'll justify whomever and you can throw away all your bad definitions of this but i had god come down in the room Mm -hmm. god comes down in the room basically puts me in an arm bar and is like tell me thank you right now Mm -hmm. and i was like oh this huge spiritual experience just just massive rush you can feel it mm-hmm. you can see it all your senses mm-hmm. are just being this massive mm-hmm. transformational right not out of body but in, in full in body totally stacked parallel dimension experience yeah. where he's like you need to tell me thank mm-hmm. you right now mm-hmm. and i was like what and the second i thought what he's like for hurting you mm-hmm. tell me thank you right now for mm-hmm. hurting you and <laughs> i was and I, I will be, I will, I will not be able to successfully articulate this to one percent. All of my words that I use, I, I use them intentionally. They are also woefully inadequate, and this doesn't describe a fraction of what my experience and the thought and the communication was. Mm-hmm. But he's like, "Tell me, thank you right now for hurting you." And then he started giving me these flashes of my experiences that I was tormented by. And he's like, thank me for that. <laughs> but it was like, <sighs> like just intense 
pressure, intense driving force into my entire psyche, my whole being, the whole room was transformed. And I was, he was like this, bam, and tell me thank you for this, boom. And I was like, thank you, thank you. He was like, and this, and he kept bringing up all these really, really hard things that you hear so many people ending their lives over or getting completely egg scrambled over. And this, and this, and this. And then, and then he, um, and this gratitude began to be granted me mm -hmm. where I began to be freed of these mm -hmm. things yeah. started. And then he, this huge rushing tunnel just like I was being thrown through this massive tunnel. I could see all these streaks of light mm -hmm. and all these stars and all this crazy stuff going on. And he was bringing me through this portal of sorts. And then we come out on the other side into this great, vast galaxy, nebula, star place, whatever the heck it was in the, all in the background. In the middle of this space was this black sphere that was alive and powerful and infinitely capable and intelligent for what it was and had these spikes and all this stuff and it was powerful and he says that is pain and he said the gift of pain is pain it is the reward it is the glory it is the triumph of pain pain the gift of pain was pain and that's, he's like talking about all this. This is one of the reasons why you're here. Mm -hmm. So that you, 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 you kind of like show me my, my previous unveiled wisdom in going through this experience mm -hmm. of this, you needed this. And pain was the gift. It, like, there's a consolation prize of like your life gets better, and then there's the contrast of you know I'm very appreciative of this and all these, and those are all wonderful things, and those are extremely valuable. Mm -hmm. but, but in this experience, mm -hmm. he was like the gift of pain was pain. Mm -hmm. Pain was the gift. Mm -hmm. And then he showed me all this kind of stuff I can't even possibly explain. And the spikes, the 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 um, the. The spikes were kind of like representative, both physically and and metaphorically, of both real and and as an image, of the the sting, the the painful bite of it, um, and that when you finally wrestled with it enough. and enough and be, and came, understand it and became terms with it and received it yeah. as the gift of uh -huh. itself. Yeah. The, the spike, the piercingness of it mm -hmm. diminished. But its ability to pierce and its ability and its all these things, its nature never changed as to what it was. Mm -hmm. But its hurting of you transformed. But it still was just as potent. And once you went through this experience, you now, he's like, you now possess pain. So like, you're fuck. saying it's the pain's impact remains the same, but the way you perceive it changes. Its sting goes away. Yeah, it now no longer like if like if you were to become friends with a with a great ferocious lion or something like that, but it didn't rip your face off, but it still not never lost any of its power, any of its ferocity, any of its capability to rip your face off. But it just stops ripping your face off. Right. <laughs> Right, stop ripping your face off. So it's like you be, you be, you have this relationship now of this thing that no, that doesn't cease being what it is. 
So do you? So basically, be thankful you got your face ripped off. Yeah. Because Holy now shit. you don't have to get your face ripped off anymore. Because you already got your face ripped off. You already got your you face ripped off. You don't have a face to rip off. <laughs> yeah. So pain, pain now became something that you possessed. A, a, it's not it wasn't like an, like an ally in a sense, but something yeah. that you now had. You're right. Totally, I get it. Yeah, and it's 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 bitterness. Um, left away, even though its capacity for bitterness was just as ferociously present. Right, right, but it has, and you can now. Um, well, this might not. I'm explaining this probably all oh, wrong, no. but it, with the possession of the pain that you have, you can now see everything else more clearly. It has granted you access to more satisfaction, more peace, more love. Do you agree with that? Oh, I definitely agree. Because post that, yeah. I was going around again for like, this is like happened like a year and a half, two years ago. I've, I've been going around and having significant and regular moments of total blissed out. Mm-hmm. Of like, holy crap, life is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that actually is a, something that kind of wraps in, wrap into the end of this whole potential conversation. And so I've, I've, I have, I would drive through and I would, it was like, I've done marijuana like three times. It's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. I don't really care. Um, but, uh, but I, and I'm, I'm familiar enough with people's talking communications and the science and literature and stuff on this, but I, I've been going around like totally better than high. Right. Blissed out. Yeah. On so many occasions, like mm-hmm. I'm riding in my car or on my motorcycle or I'm doing the thing and just going out through life, particularly when I'm traveling and my mind kind of gets the gets the tone down and going to some sort of all slightly altered state while you're driving, you know how mm-hmm. that happens. Right. So especially during those those moments, like just blown away and so thankful at how amazing life mm-hmm. was. Things that I had taken for granted or I didn't see or didn't perceive, mm-hmm. but also the depth of mm-hmm. those things right, as well. Totally. The, the mundane yeah. has become less and less. It's become enchanted. And it's become enchanted. Yeah, yeah, everything's freaking amazing. And that perspective and that experience has become more and more and more and more and more so. And it's, and it's also shown how I treat myself and how I treat others and how I am treated mm-hmm. and how I, I want uh, and, and participate in the treatment of others. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's done this whole complete turn. And that I think is the beginning of the major segment of this whole story, this whole experience is when that corner got turned and God came down and put me in a freaking arm bar, like, tell me, thank you right now for hurting you. <laughs> like that changed it because all this stuff kind of built up to then. Because when I had my, my death experience, it was the, it was greater regularity and greater intensity of those feelings mm-hmm. that I have been having the last year and a half, two years. Okay, so let's, I want you to... You want to talk about mushrooms and stuff. I so. want you to explain the difference for, in your personal experience Yeah. Um, between astral travel and then the experience that you have when you mm-hmm. take psilocybin. So astral travel was deliberate concentration for me, um, exact... Um, specified procedures or the experimentation of exact specified procedures to induce the state. You had to deliberate it, you had to focus, you had to concentrate and also relax at the same time and do all these things and that's to induce the condition and the condition 
the astral world that you would go into was not nearly as uh, informative um, or as pleasing and rewarding as the one that you experience through uh, psilocybin because it's not an expansion of the mind mm -hmm. it is a, a lateral um, curiosity or a lateral action it's it's not it doesn't improve things it doesn't magnify it doesn't expand it doesn't connect it doesn't sure there's information for you to get which I really enjoy and maybe people other people have different experiences right it. and there are different levels in the astral worlds as well that you can go through in this kind of stuff and that's fantastic but it did not come close to the to the impact and the information and the experience after a year and a half of doing it on a regular basis that um, the psilocybin does. But I say that with a caveat in that most of the folks who take psilocybin, they're doing it for fun. We kind of mentioned this a little bit before. They're doing it for fun. You know, it's an enjoyable experience. And then some people go into the, the meditative aspects of it or whatever or kind of the adventurer aspects of it, and which is all wonderful. It's mm -hmm. glorious and fantastic. But there's different layers inside of it. And, the inf and because it is a magnifier, what are you magnifying? You're always going to encounter and see stuff and learn things and feel things and experience stuff that you didn't perceive. But it also takes you from the position that you're at into consideration as well. And that's a big deal. So um, it uh, it is it grants you velocity and where you go with that velocity is a wonderful brilliant gift that naturally gets given inside of it as well but it's also the information the trajectory that you the, the course that you chart the questions that you have the intentions that you bring the information that you possess when you're in it because again it's a great magnifier and so where it puts you also strongly, more strongly, inf well, is very much determined by the information that you put into it because that determines your trajectory well, where the psilocybin grants you velocity. Mm -hmm. And of course you'll naturally run into things, of course you'll naturally experience things, of course you'll naturally be shown things. But there is great value and great um, utility and redemptive uh, worth in coming to it with certain questions, of course, certain intentions, but also coming to it with information that is of, of pristine, truthful beauty. And with that information, or the inquiry to that information, determines so much of what your potentiality is in the experience. And, and again, the, the, the psilocybin accessible velocity into that world is, is different than, from my experience, mm -hmm. the astral travel world. Uh, one is infinitely more valuable than the other. Yeah, by far. You can have a lot of people who do a lot of astral projection, a lot of astral travel and mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff, and it doesn't necessarily make them a better person towards themselves or a better person towards the people around them. But if you go and you have a profound psilocybin experience, particularly with certain questions and intentions, and particularly with certain information previously going in, mm -hmm. it will have a, a more positive and beneficial effect on you than just astral projection. Um, and again, that's just from my experience. Yeah. That's just for you me. mentioned meeting the like all-knowing character on your journey that you had. Mm -hmm. The all-knowing, all-compassionate, all-loving mm -hmm. um, being. 
Was that, would you say being? Yeah, for sure. Definitely a being. Okay. Uh, do, you, do you believe that being is um, a being that is mm-hmm. out there somewhere? Mm-hmm. Or do you believe it's a figment of your imagination? Or is that the same thing? <laughs> um, definitely um, detached from my own deliberations, detached from my own feelings and my own thoughts and my own imaginings on things is definitely a real person. Okay. Uh, and um, there's a lot to say in that category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a real, real person. A real being or real a being. real person? A yes. A real being. And I've seen beings. So in, in the... In the psilocybin world, there is, if you kind of want to look at it, kind of like a cell, mm-hmm. a classical cell. Mm-hmm. So there's the um, outer boundary of the cell wall, and most of the time when people just do mushroom stuff, they're kind of having a fun time, whatever, they're kind of encountering the outer boundary, right? And then you go through... From the inside or from the outside? From the outside, sorry, from the outside coming in. Okay. So um, you encounter the outer boundary, right? There's all kinds of cool wonderful experiences and like if you're just having it and you're like you're at a concert and it's magnifying your senses of love and appreciation and, and fellowship and brotherly connection all that all that stuff is wonderful it magnifies love and all that kind of stuff right um, and that's great um, and none of this is none of this is to diminish the value of, of any level or type of experience mm-hmm. um, and, and then when you when you jump in and you have a deep dive, you know, you can see all kinds of things and you experience all kinds of things you see. Or there's different levels when you hit mm-hmm. the deep dive. There's, you know, like when you first take it, you know, things start to become interesting. And you're like, huh, like really noticing the color of that and really noticing the feeling of this and really noticing mm-hmm. the textures of that and I begin to see these things, right? And then as the experience grows, uh, either in progressive of time or in volume of substance, it moves that you, with your eyes open, you begin to see the the um, the, the sort of the, the energy matrix that's running through everything. You start seeing sort of the, the Paisley world. You start seeing the scintillating and beautiful things. Like you look inside of your arm, and your arm is translucent. You know, you can see the the running energy all around your the hairs, or your, you look. You know, be warned, probably don't want to look into a mirror yeah. or into a face of someone you care about. Um, except for on really small doses, that's probably okay, but anything big, you don't want to necessarily do that. And while you're there, it, everything that you, your thoughts and feelings are magnified. So whatever you focus on will be magnified. So if you focus on the light, you'll see more of the light. If you focus on the sounds and the beauty and all these things, you'll see all that. If you focus on the fear or the anxiety or fear and anxiety, depending again on your own personality and how much you have, will become magnified. Mm-hmm. Um, but the nice thing is, is that also what you focus on magnifies. Right, exactly. So you can choose. Yeah, and you, you have a, le- a level of control. You have a level of, of control. Um, you just have to be aware of you have to you have to know you have to that. remember that you have to remember that and yeah and and that's important by if you can't remember that like the first time I did this and had a super super deep dive I'm very grateful that I had so many years of meditation and all kinds of other things to do this because I took um, um, penis envy which has got a pretty high concentration and I took a lot of it and the person I was with didn't know what they were doing or whatever like, 
okay, here we go. Jump in. And uh, anyway, that was a very interesting experience. So as you go through this, there's also the, um, the, um, the um, uh, uh, kaleidoscopic level that you go through as well, uh, kaleidoscopic level. Um, you know, there's that. There's the um, fractal level as well that you go through, all this kind of stuff where there's like a sub-energy matrix, the matrix of reality. And I've, in that place, I've seen the transit of souls and felt and their thoughts and their feelings. And I've seen souls go into the earth plane dimension. I've watched their lives and I've seen them come out and I've encountered all kinds of entities and stuff and mechanical sort of servitors that operate this, this matrix sort of level you can perceive it's kind of like if you were to be able to phase into wood like the, the cabinet there if I could phase my face into the wood and see into the wood and all the energy matrix that it's made out of that's what you usually will encounter in, in the first levels of the psilocybin experience of mushroom accessible world you'll see all this stuff because your mind's being mm -hmm. expanded and that you can perceive these mm -hmm. things that are there but then past that past the cell wall sort of phase, as it were. There's not many people who go here. This is very few journey type persons have gone past this. You go into sort of the cytoplast-like mm -hmm. dimension where you pass through the energy structure worlds. And this, you do, your eyes have got to be closed for mm -hmm. this. Um, and the music and stuff you listen to and stuff like that is very influential. But when you go into sort of the cytoplast world, then you can encounter the the gods and such that are there that are just mind-blowingly amazing. And they're kind of like the mitochondria, as it were, that are there in the cytoplast. And they're incredible, and they have... And, and that's where you really start to learn the, the how joy and love and our very limited understanding of what love is, but purposely, rightly so, and then it's expansion because it's choice. It's definitely something that we choose, and we choose to press it and to extend it and to push it like a, like roots of a tree, um, moving around stones and, and exploring and pressing out, or the the mycelia of, my, of uh, fungi going through and digesting minerals and pressing and exploring things through and doing all this stuff. That's kind of like love. It, we, we learn and we discover how to choose love because of its, an, its um, antagonizing antithesis, its cussing agents of shame and guilt. And fear plays a thing in, but particularly it's, it's a cussing agitizing, uh, agents of shame and guilt. Um, towards yourself, towards others, others, all this kind of stuff. So much of that comes from it. So you are here to choose. Comes from what? The contrast and interaction, mm -hmm. the coming, the butting up against shame, the, the butting up against guilt, and all this kind of stuff. But when you're in the cytoplast dimension of psilocybin, you see and you're blown away how everything is made out of love and for love and all this kind of just. That's when, when people go into there, that's the big takeaway. Everybody's mm -hmm. like, holy shit, everything's love. Mm -hmm. and, and we mean that. And mm -hmm. it's love without shame, love without fear. Unconditional love. Love without love. Like what love really what, is. What it really is. And, and uh, it's freaking amazing. Like the first time, the first time I did psilocybin, again, kind of going back to that, there was, you know, as it began to come on, you can begin to, I mean, it was a lot that we did. <laughs> 
and my my um, my partner at the time was um, a largely a fear-based, operational, anxiety-based, operational person. Mm -hmm. So having a fantastic experience and me yeah. being kind of an echo-ish mm -hmm. person at that mm -hmm. time, I was obligated to go along. Mm -hmm. I hated op operating in the echo position, but that was kind of like what I was doing in my life at that time. I kind of went along and absorbed the fear as well. Mm -hmm. So I went when I went into the um, uh, uh, kaleidoscopic dimension, um, I went into spider hell. Everything was black, everything was spider face, everything was spider eyes, everything was just everything, everything, everything. It wasn't just something that you were seeing, it was the entirety the whole of your psyche. Yeah. Every, and I mean everything, and everything doesn't even come close to describing everything. Everything, everything, everything. Inside, conceivably, every part of you was all this complete crazy place. But while I was there, I could hear his voice talking to me, and I could see a the spindly, um, yarn string of light, as it were, coming out from behind my head, attached to this glowing little white ball. And that was my soul being held in suspension and preserved while my observant self and my body was going through this experience. And I, in that room, when all this crazy shit started happening, this fear thing came through when I, when I hit the, the um, kaleidoscopic dimension and mm -hmm. all this stuff. It was an incredible experience, of course, before then. But uh, everything just went nuts. Like, like, and, and, and he was like, this is you. This is your mind. This is your fear. Everything you're experiencing is mm -hmm. you. This is all you. And I was, again, in that kaleidoscopic mm -hmm. sort of level yeah. of it. And it's like, notice what you focus on will mm -hmm. magnify. And these are like big pull-away life experience yes. things, like what you focus so on will magnify. And it's like, this is you, you are this. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was horrible, like everything. I, mm -hmm. I couldn't escape from it. And mm -hmm. I could just, just exercising just enough. I'm so grateful I had enough um, meditation and calming and other types mm -hmm. of training for years before then to kind of keep this from driving myself absolutely fucking bananas. Mm -hmm. um, and, he was, and he was kind of like, cradling me and comforting me and kind of this voice, this guy talking to me. And he's like, you know, it's okay, you know, just focus on this, focus mm -hmm. on that. It wasn't my own consciousness thinking mm -hmm. like this other person was talking to me. Um, like, look, notice the light now, let, mm -hmm. it, let it do mm -hmm. this. And then yeah. he's like, and then he said, the thought that bridges, your, bridges you between abject madness and the condition that you are in, and the inescapable, the first thought is this, isn't that interesting. Mm -hmm. Think now, isn't that interesting? And I began to look at this abject horror that my entire existence, inside and out and sideways, mm -hmm. was consumed with. And it took the edge off. Mm -hmm. It separated you. Yeah. One layer. Isn't Once that removed. Once, one level. Yeah. And then, and of course, this is you was valuable. And I began to settle into this is me. It's okay. This is mm -hmm. me. I'm not subject. I can to look this. at this now. I can look at it. Yeah, I could. I could be in it, look at it, perceive mm -hmm. it. I like. I, I go instead of it being consuming contrary you. to me and consuming yeah. me. It's like you know what? I'm, I'm the role is switched. Instead of me being so yeah. Instead yeah. of me being subjugated, I was above. Yeah. I was the queen mm -hmm. of spiders. Yeah. I was the god <laughs> of this. This core this horror dimension I was in, right? So, yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. That, that made a big shift. 
big shift for me. And then whatever you feel some magnifies. And then um, isn't that interesting? Yeah, that made a big thing. In fact, uh, there'd be a neat study to see on people who are consumed with past trauma versus those who are relieved from it. Because you'll, people who are relieved from trauma and, and, and horrible instances in their life, they all share a similar recounting at the end when they become truly free from it, when they're rebelling against it finally, or when they just test it finally. Or, you know, What's they, their similarity? Their, their similarity, well, there's lots. This is a different subject conversation, but one of their similarities is that they don't have um, as much of an investment into the past. Mm -hmm. They're more future thinking. Mm -hmm. And people that I know that have been engrossed in their trauma are more past oriented mm -hmm. and are less future oriented. Mm -hmm. Future oriented persons get less, they can go through the same stuff, mm -hmm. they can be twin brothers mm -hmm. locked in the same closet, mm -hmm. going through the similar shit as kids growing up and want to be a wreck and want to be alright because one's more past oriented, one's more future oriented. So being future oriented, I think, is very valuable in being now oriented. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the whole the the the, the um, open transit of feelings and thoughts and experiences over time is a different experience. But anyway, so being in this this mushroom dimension world was that that the abject horror was incredible, and that's again that's that's sort of the the membrane level. But once you get to the cytoplast sort of level, you encounter these gods. You learn that everything is made out of love, and you have this incredible, amazing experience. You're you're beyond looking into the, like we were talking earlier about look, like the, the bookshelf that's there. Mm -hmm. And you're beyond having your face bathed <clears throat> into and seeing the wood mm -hmm. and the dimension that's made out of it. And then you come out of that into the room and you see, oh, okay, the energy dimension worlds and all the crazy stuff that you see on the classical mushroom experience, that is the energy matrix of, as it were, the wood of the furniture. Mm -hmm. But then you go into the other, farther in, mm -hmm. and now you're into the room where that stuff exists. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like if you were to come out of the sea and break the mm -hmm. water barrier and boom, and now you're into the air and you're like, oh, okay, now I see. Or vice, mm -hmm. vice versa, right. there's that barrier that you kind of mm -hmm. pass through. And so there's where you encounter these amazing, amazing governing gods that are just wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, when you don't just see the structure and the mechanic of everything, mm -hmm. but you begin to see the purpose of everything, mm -hmm. its arrangement and more of its meaning. And that's an incredible, amazing place to be in where big things make so much sense, where everything. I'm not saying that you come out of this, you know, being a Nobel Prize level winning physicist or whatever, mm -hmm. or whatever, whatever it is. That everything makes sense. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, mm -hmm. and revelation upon glorious revelation upon calming upon beautiful, upon incredible revelation, and then examples and experiential examples of these revelations are given to you in this information that is just beautiful and loving and revelatory. It begins to you get to see the whole purpose. Um, a bigger vision of the whole purpose of it all. It's just fantastic. And so when people, um, we're talking about astral projection and that kind of mm -hmm. thing, there's an astral projection experience It's similar to when people die and have near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. And there's these certain places that have near-death experiences that they don't go beyond. But beyond that, there's another place. And that's where I've had my death experience. 
but the mushroom experience. Um, when you say the death experience, for people listening, I already know because you've told me, right. but when you say death experience, um, it was on the mushrooms. And I had a yeah, I had a pretty unique death experience. So for several days, I was having, um, I was having these super intense spiritual experiences, unusually intense and unusually regular. Not doing anything, no substance, no nothing for a long time, um, unusually. So okay, so with that, do you think that was a call to you? Yeah, something was being called out. Yeah. Okay. Something was being that uh, was happening. Um, you know, I wasn't meditating, wasn't anything, just just life. And just for about three days, it was pretty intense. And then I, that night, before it happened, I went to bed and I had two dreams. I don't remember the content of the dream, Mm -hmm. but I remember seeing these people that were in it. Um, And I remember that the dreams were different. And again, I've had all kinds of interesting previous experiences with stuff and dreams. This is not, I know that there's different types of dreams. Mm -hmm. There's types, there's different um, levels of experiential um, sensory reality into dreams. There's different meanings and levels and things to dreams and symbolic stuff and mindscapes and stuff. All, yeah, okay, I get that. But this was different. These, this dream, this two sort of twin dreams were different. I don't remember what they were about, but I remember them being different. And I woke up and be like, oh my gosh, something is going on. And then those those intense spiritual experiences were coming faster and faster and faster um, and more regularly. And I was like, well, something's going on. Something's going on. So then I, I chose and I went downstairs. I'm like, right, so I don't, I don't want to have my logical, dismissive, analytical brain part of discount me this. D- discount this and just like. Pfft. So I'm like, take some mushrooms and find out what's going on. So I had a really neat mushroom experience. I don't want to talk about that, but, um, and it wasn't a super big dose. Anyway, so all this stuff was going on. And I'm laying there in bed. And in the room there, there was a change that happened. And there were these three spirits that came into the room. And after this, it taught me what those three spirits were. So not like they're the, the fates, I guess. The, the I three don't know fates. what those are, but... It was wild. Like these three ladies that seemed to like be kind of instrumental in, in making certain things happen. And they were sitting there, I'm laying there in bed, I'm like, do I need to do anything? Do I need to put on uh, music? Do I need to do anything like this at all? Uh, now, that I, now that I think about it, I wonder. I, this part they, is so funny to me. They, I, I, I feel like. I think they came around before I went downstairs and had the mushrooms. Okay. okay. That makes way more sense. They came around before I went downstairs and okay. had the mushrooms. I could feel it's like, I'm, I'm going to do something so I don't dismiss this. And they're yeah. like, Whatever you can do, whatever you'd like. That might that would be nice. You can do a lot if you like. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm afraid of doing a lot. Like, you should totally do a lot. I was like, I, like how much? And they they, they, said, they the the way you describe these three ladies reminds me of like my grandma and her sisters. Like, oh my gosh, really? Yeah. <laughs> like I feel like they might be in cahoots. Like I well, don't they know probably, why. Probably are. <laughs> They were wild. They're kind of like these. Oh, you, 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 Sunny. You don't. Yeah. You don't know what's going on. You don't. You worry about a thing. We yeah. like. We we've, we've got this down. Got yeah. this up. But they're like, okay, go and do this. And and they're like, and they told me to do mm-hmm. a, a bunch. I was like, ah, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. That makes me nervous. I'm like, okay, fine. And then later on, I remember them saying you should have done more. But that's okay. That's a <laughs> lesson too. And then 
So I, I could feel these three entities in my room. It was so wild. And that happened before I took mushrooms. There we go. Anyway, and so shortly after that happened, um, I was having a, a kind of a mushroom bump of what was going on. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really incredible, but still not... You're and still I'm present. still present, still with it, feeling, you know yeah. what I mean? And when they were done doing their 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 work, they're they're kind of bumbling around, but bumbling not in a in a in a in a um, imbalanced or incapable sort of way. They're like doing stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I was laying there, and I and I had that mushroom magnification of these intense spiritual experiences, and I felt somebody's his voice again, who who did me the armbar thing. Mm -hmm. I've heard whispers all throughout my life of like, yeah, you know, hang in there. It's going to get worse. We love you. We're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but that kind of person. Um, and I was laying there, and this person had extreme capability, no perfect capability, perfect power, perfect calmness, perfect love, was the source of it all and the servant of it at the same time. And he was very. very capable, very powerful, very like legit. And he's like, all right. And while this, while this person, when this person right before this, right before, right before or right as, right as, must have been right as, this person shows up, I feel a, a very different chemical change come over my body. And I've had big mushroom wraps before. This dives is one before. of my favorite parts too. Thing. Yeah, this is actually there's there's a lot of <laughs> Well, I felt this change and it was it was totally different. And I felt this transformation happen throughout my whole self, just this chemical change. Okay, can I pause and add something? Yeah. So you know what we're listening to about the Akashic thing on the plane and the chart of elementals and right. blah, blah. in one section it was talking about how to access certain layers you kind of have to spend your physical body and have this chemical reaction oh, really? to have and which I want you to listen to that part but yeah, this, I, I was like this is totally what was going on That's, in this part yeah. you were getting your new body that was able to move into this. The, where where he wanted to show you or take you or whatever, mm -hmm. but I'm I'm so curious about which we, there's no there might not be an answer to it right now, but the God, man, voice being that was present with you, the all knowing, servant of love and all capable. Um, whenever I was learning about the elements of reality, I guess you could say, or all that is, you could mm -hmm. say which is not the periodic table of elements, but something much more deeper, a deeper layer of those. Mm. Um, it says there's only one, right? Did you hear that part? It was like, mm. there's mm. actually only one. One element. That, and everything else is just p branches or, you know, little pieces of the one thing. And they call it Akasha. Mm, is that where that Akashic Records term kind of, comes from? Yeah, that's why, I mean, I'm new to this, but I found it a fascinating uh, thing. Interesting. And I'm wondering if the Akasha, or whatever, the one thing, is love, or, right? And maybe you're speaking with that. Mm. It would, it would not be 
Not that it, there's no like answer needed. Right. I just find it fascinating. Um, yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? And, and right. It, it, it would not be a far thing to that the everything comes from love. Would call it what it is or whatever. Choose to enumerate it. I. Yeah. Whatever. But to be able to transform and to shift and to move and to travel and to have the experiences that you were, you would have to be able to manipulate the elements at a certain degree. And I mean like the, the elements underneath the periodic table of elements. Mm. So it would make sense, you know what I mean? Mm. It's just an intellectual way of thinking about yeah. your journey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there would have to be a change, and there was a change. Yeah. Okay, continue yeah. on. No, that's good. <laughs> so, uh, okay, continue. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I was when I was in that moment, this chemical change came over me, mm-hmm. and I saw this glimpse. Funny enough, like a molecular sort of chart, which was funny, kind of funny, which I couldn't sketch down. But I remember kind of seeing this. There was, I guess, it was communicating that your molecules are being changed. Mm-hmm. He's like, he shows up, and he's like, I won't. <laughs> I'm going to do a terrible job at explaining this. But he basically said, and he shows up and he's holding me behind my shoulders. And he says, I'm, I want you to know that I'm making it so that you're dead. Something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Like, like, it wasn't like I'm killing you or you're dead, but it was more like you're dead. And I made you this way. Yeah. I'm doing this right now. I'm, pa- I'm, I'm pausing. Yeah, but it was a different death. Because I, then I instantly thought, I'm like, oh, like, like Is this that's it? the way. Yeah. He's like, no, it's like, but don't worry, it's not permanent. You're not going to decay or rot or any of those kind of things, and you're not, you're going to be coming right back. But I want to show you something. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool. Did you practice like, your, isn't this interesting? Isn't this interesting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, not, not needing to, of course, to bridge that. There was no horrible gap to bridge. But I was like, oh, okay. But I was like, okay. I, I was like, it, it was funny because I had my own perspective on it, but I was also being granted mm-hmm. a perspective on it as well. Right. So I didn't have like a, like, holy shit, or my own panic mind. or mm-hmm. It was, like, was kind of like, I was being granted a, a smoothness and a mm-hmm. calmness. Mm-hmm. And I felt this change happen over me. And he said these, these, he said a couple things very specifically. He said, like, I needed to know this. Mm-hmm. My intellectual, logical thinking brain needed to know this. He says, I want you to notice. He actually said this before. Yeah, he said this before I was... Before he killed you. Before he killed me. <laughs> yeah. He said, I want you to notice. When the change happened, he said, I want you to notice that you are no longer high. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, that all, he had kind of showed up at the same time, made the change happen. Yeah. And he's like, feel this chemical change. And he said, I want you to now notice that you are not high. Mm-hmm. You must notice this. I was like, whoa, yes. Mm-hmm. He's noticed how clear of mind you are. How present you are. How present you are. And now this is different. Mm-hmm. It says you're not experiencing any psilocybin, any mushrooms, or any substance of any kind. And this is not your imagination. Notice that. This is not all. He had me like, he had pointed out these things that I needed to recognize. Mm-hmm that this was something that was real that I was experiencing that I was not under an influence of my own creation mm-hmm. or a, another type of chemical or substance or anything at all whatsoever at all. And he's, I was like, yes, he's like, okay, I'm, you're dead. You know, I want to show you something. 
And during that whole process, I was, it was as if I were running in my own sort of life dimension reality thing and then I dipped as it were, and I say this importantly because it didn't go underneath the door. I, I dipped as it were down and then as it were underneath a door and then came up. And where he moved me, put my body into suspension and then he moved myself through this process and he says, all right, I want you to now open your eyes, but not all the way because you're not fully ready to be here all the way yet. You're not done with your earth life. That's why you're going back. But I want you to open your eyes, but not all the way. I want to show you something. So I was laying there and I could feel his arms still holding me from behind, cradling me and holding me. And I open up my eyes and I look around. And as abrasive or vulgar as it might sound, I'm laying there and I'm in a cocoon, laying in a garden, on a floating sort of island garden in the middle of, this is a woefully inadequate term, it's like a, a space, a designated set-aside space in the middle of eternity. And I looked down at myself, at my hands, and my hands were, and he said, this is your body that exists in the real world, that's the word, in the real. Outside of the Maya, you could say? Uh, outside of the earth plane. Dimension. Outside of the Maya. Into what, what, like, what is real, real. Mm -hmm. uh, past all those energy dimensions, past all the other stuff, past all that stuff. This is like the place beyond the light that people go and they, when they see in your death experience, this was the place after the light mm -hmm. that people don't get past. The big wall. Like God's like, oh, so you can't go further on. It's not for you, right? This was the place beyond that. And he's like, I went, I was looking, I was looking at my hand, and my hand was this beautifully woven, um, basketed sort of material that was still growing inside of this thing. And he told me that when my earth experience was done to my satisfaction and when I physically when it was done to my when my earth experience was done to my satisfaction then I would come back into this then I would be in this body and it would be complete well, my whole earth experience whatever that may be was done then this body would be complete and I would be there now, this body is broadcasting its signal, its sort of um, earth dimension variant. Wait, I've thought about this so much since you've yeah. explained this to me. Um, is it broadcasting the dream? Is it the dream of your astral, let's just say an astral body, for just for, unless there's a better word for it, your cocoon body, but what, what do you want to call that? No, it's the real body. The real body. You want to call that the real the body? The real body. Okay, so the, the final, the great. The great body. The, real the great body. body. Okay, the real body. And it will be magnified and changed and, and advanced. It'll be advanced into the future, but this is the one that you have. This is your real, true body. Okay, so that body, is it dreaming this? Inside, and I thought, and I thought about this um, since, and everything's like, everything in this world, and we don't realize how amazing the Earth's plane dimension is in all of its 
utility and its lesson teaching, but also its um, the actual fabric. The, the the fabric and the structure. Yeah. How much it is a form after a greater form. Right. Um, so on the inside of this cocoon thing, there was a a, a membrane-like layer. The, the cocoon was this meshed sort of stuff that would always remain that way, I think. But there was this, there's this membranous layer on the inside that allowed me to access the earth plane dimension program, as it were. That's what was running it, or allowed me to access it. This, it's kind of like when you, uh, like when you, when you crack an eggshell mm -hmm. and there's that film membrane on the inside. It was kind of like that. I, I've since thought of this as a, as a good way of explaining it. So, it's just, so this, this sheet on the inside. And that's what was running the Earth Dimension program. That material. And he said something really interesting to me. He said, and I, I could see outside of it. And he could show, he was showing me like my consciousness or my mind or or through him, he was showing me some things. That was on the outside. Was going outside of the mm -hmm. thing. Um, he said something really interesting, but I, I don't think I've really ever considered very much. But obviously, some part of me does, you know. But what I don't think it was a big consideration. Maybe this is for me and or the rest of me and others. Um, he said something to the effect of that folks think that God's a jerk by letting other people harm each other. And I remembered um, a, a, a big mushroom journey that I had before where I was being shown all kinds of wonderful, amazing things by this person who was guiding me through and showing me all this stuff. And I remember passing through in, in the, in the um, sort of matrix dimension, structural dimensions. And I was seeing somebody who was a person who was like in torment. And I saw all around them all these innocent people that were just horrifically suffering, like concentration camp sort of, like a Nazi um, officer kind of guy, concentration camp guy, all the people that they were suffering. And then we're going through that and they're saying, do you want to learn about that? And I was like, oh, I, I don't want to know. I don't want to go through and experience this because, you know, this was, this was my second journey after the seven years between mm -hmm. my first experience when I went to Spider Hell. Mm -hmm. um, and in that journey, I saw the transit of souls and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to know that you know. Okay, you'll you'll learn about it later. Is what they said. So here I was sitting in the garden, and he said, you, he he wanted to resolve. He didn't want to resolve this for me. He wanted to tell me something that was important. He said, a lot of people think God's an asshole by having people hurt each other. And this is a super short explanation and summary of lots of different experiences and communications in that moment. And he said, the only person you've been interacting with this entire time in the earth dimension is you. Just you. The entire time. And again, all the information and showing and exampling and all this kind of stuff is... Unexplainable. Yeah, yeah, it's just or so... Un, you can't translate time, it. Time is an element right now in our current moment when you and I are talking. And and then also still being able to translate it into time. Yeah. And what also, time is it? We got about an hour and a half. Okay. Wait, we have 40 minutes. Okay. Um, he 
she was like, it was only you the entire time. But the earth plane dimension, I'll kind of do this kind of quickly. The earth plane dimension is something that has to be the, sto the, the, the story the, has to be so, um, and there's a reason why there's gaps in it, by the way, why there's funny little moments, so it makes sense. Like those are there for a reason. But the whole earth plane experience is there for you. Um, there's the story that it must, it must feel like experientially that you are interacting with other people to make it as real as it needs to be so that you engage as raw and as choicefully as it needs to be because you need to be interacting with yourself under the guise as if that you those are other people that so you're acting with. It's, it's, so you are being told there is a divine purpose to the illusion of separateness. Right. So that you choose to love others. Because if you just knew it was all you the whole time, well you couldn't know that, first off, number one. But you need you need to interact with people as if they were separate so that you can choose. I was like, he was telling me the whole, the whole time too, like, like what was, what's the reason for all of this? I was, I was asking, like, so that you choose what your next world will be like. What do you want? And he's like, oh, like, like, think of all these wrongs and these things, you know, but there's also like, our fighting against the wrong. There's our raging against the wrong. There's our sense of justice and overcoming the wrong. Mm -hmm. And he's like, but all of those things, mm -hmm. if you choose those things, those will go with you into the next world. You're having to fight something. You're having to overcome. You're having to struggle. You're having to feel wronged. You're having to do all these things to accomplish the goal that you think that you want. Sometimes these means you think are, are you're so enwrapped with these means that you don't realize that that's the choice that you're making too. That to rebel against the bad is the rebellion. Do you want rebellion in your next life? Do you want to have to contest with these things in the next life? Because you're gonna be having something that you now have to contest with if you value contesting so much. You're gonna to have to have something now to struggle with if you value struggling so much. So what do you want? Not the process you think will get you there. So it would have been a really good time to say, what should I want? <laughs> I, well, I, I learned later on in subsequent cascades and aftershocks of this experience were these beings, these women. The three ones? The three things are no, different I, ones. I don't these are different ones. Okay. Where they told where they they Did they give you they some inquired answers? me and they pointed me, they pressed me. What do you want, Joseph? Oh I would love like well, I want this and I want that and they're like okay. no 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 but what do you want? Mm -hmm. Those answers are unsatisfactory to you. You're like, oh fuck. Mm -hmm. They are unsatisfactory to me. Like, what do you want? Mm -hmm. So he was there, what do you want? Mm -hmm. Because these means that you think are justifiable, if you choose those means that you have every sense of justification and nobility, mm -hmm. in, then that, unfortunately, will be the thing that you have in your next life. And he was like, frequently telling me that, what do you want? 
And while I was in this, and he, he showed me lives in eternity, like everybody you encounter in this earth life is you. Uh, I could go, this is a, definitely a part two and three of this, mm-hmm. this whole interview. Um, everybody that you encounter is you and they're a part of your eternal lives on, on multiple dimensions and on multiple aspects. They are, I mean, he showed me infinity, he showed me eternity, he showed me eternal lives. And, and in ways that you didn't even conceive of it before, even in my previous experiences on mushrooms and stuff, and meditations and intellectually and spiritual experiences and all this kind of stuff, not just providing it intellectually there, but experientially to such a great mm-hmm. degree, like seeing someone's life and going and following them and living their entirety of their life and boom, coming back up. All right, now he's going, maybe he takes me on to another life. Boom, it shows me another person's life, their entirety of their life, lived it, just like, holy shit, and boom, another one. And then observing and seeing and overwatching all these lives and lives and lives of people and seeing that it was yourself the whole time. It was part of your infinity. It was part of your eternity. That eternal lives is not limited to this, but it does include this, is every single person you could ever encounter in your earth plane mm-hmm. existence is you mm-hmm. and they are one of your eternal lives and this cross hatches with a lot of other principles and things as well and one thing that he was showing me a lot of is that there's truths that are at a certain strata all these things are true but above that there is another strata and these things are more true than those things below those and the things that are above this are more true than this so this idea that like we have near-death experiences and we wake up into the astral world or whatever and we see the, the connection, the line between, oh, you know, we're, we're all connected, we feel each other's feelings and what I say to this person impacts them and, you know, how I influence their lives and also what I think about people impacts them and influences their lives. And that's a truth. Mm-hmm. But more true than that and a more effective capability to loving yourself and others was that it's not others, it's you. Mm-hmm. Literally, it's you that mm-hmm. you're interacting with both in a manifested um, physical energetic way, which there's no difference, even mm-hmm. our physics understand that, there is no difference between matter and energy, it's the same mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but also conceptually, and all these cross ribbons of times and timelines and all this kind of stuff, it's like it's, it's, it's you, it's easier to exercise compassion upon other people when you see that they are you not just a person you should exercise compassion for. There's a benefit to it. There's a spiritual meaning. There's this morality that governs and enables you to exercise compassion. But those were all good. But if it was you who you were interacting with, it would change things. And 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 uh, also like your interaction. I think about my my son. You know, I have suffered, so you don't have to. I have suffered, so you don't have to. That governs our interactions with other people that we no longer require them. We no longer fixate them with, with guilt or shame or whatever, even for the good measure of corrective behavior to a better social interaction with themselves and the people around them. You don't do those types of things to people because it's you. It was just a completely wild, wild experience. And while I was laying there in that, in that garden, I could see that there were other persons who had woken up from it. And both, you know, the, everybody is my singular self. But also there are an infinite number of 
everybody else's who are also encountering their singular selves. There's lots of truths that don't okay, cancel so that don't cancel each other out. I got a question about that. Yeah. So if everything is you, right? Mm -hmm. And then in this dimension, that in the garden, in the cocoon, if there's other cocoons mm -hmm. with other people in them, did they live in a completely different Earth experience? And they're waking up different, separate than you in this new realm? Or is it you still? There are certain layers of weird that I... I think, can I, can yeah, I just continue go ahead and on more? Continue on, yeah. Because I'm thinking that there's still you, but it's the next strata, and then there's another cocoon. Right. Do you get what it's, I'm saying? It's way more like that. Yeah. Because we just asked a vertical question in a, in a lateral perspective. Yeah. So there are other stratas above that. So... I was shown that it was only you, and I was given an example as if, again, like the door, it wasn't mm -hmm. actually a door, but as if, if you were to, because there are other, huh, it's only you and there are others that are also independent of the identity of I. There are you gotta see it. You gotta experience it to really, <laughs> to really, to really not grasp it. You've gotta experience it. <laughs> to really, to really value the value your inability to grasp it or to express yeah. it. You gotta experience it. <laughs> so, uh, yes, all of those things are true. And what's more true is that it's all singular. Every time you, 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 every time you would move to a, oh, there's lots of us experiencing the there's only me universe. But then always preceded by that was the next layer up of it's only me. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's like, I don't want to do the whole video game analogy, but let's just, it's let's a, just it's use kind it of because it's easy. Yeah, it's easier. There's um, a reason why we have the vocabulary that we do now. <laughs> yeah. that, that's not a small right. coincidence. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost like um, you're reaching a next level, right? at the same t but it's just yourself but you're only bringing these aspects of yourself to the next level right right and so then you can have the illusion of separateness on the next level but it's it's um you've all at you've decided that there's um these things are valuable to bring here yeah and the separateness is experiential expansiveness yeah experiential expansiveness in order yeah. to learn more lessons yeah and it's not a separateness yeah it's an experiential an expansiveness it's not even so much of an illusion illusion implying it's not real well to, but, i guess to some people i guess yeah yeah but it's in that it is yeah you're right beyond the surface yeah. yeah but it, it, it that's it is that this experiential perceptive perceptiveness is 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 what all of the different expressions of you are all about. For example, when you get your shit figured out, when you do this whole thing, when you like, there's different levels that you can graduate with an A, right. you know, Earth plane, or get or get a B or whatever, right? You, all of the infinity of the persons that you encounter with in the Earth plane dimension, at one point in quote time of experientialness, all of you are rise are risen up at the mm -hmm. same time. And all of your soul expressions, starseed scatter access expressions of yourself, 
all are moved up at the same time. Also, mm -hmm. also you kind of have this thing. And there's all kinds of different levels and expressions and, and manifestations of that. Uh, I, one thing that I thought was really weird too is like he, he gave an example of like if, if you were to wake up into the garden with a, like your partner, let's just say your spouse that you're arguing with or whatever, and you've had this lifetime, you know, these years together. Mm -hmm. If you were to both wake up and out of yourselves and look at each other into the garden, and you'd be like, holy shit, when I yelled at you that day, and you pissed me off, and you did all these things, and you bothered me, and you know, I, and I was yelling at you, and then your partner would look around and say, and you were so damn frumpy and irresponsible. I was so frustrated with you. you. Didn't shave for all these days, and you smelled whatever it was. You know, the, the 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 bickering and the arguing, whatever that would go on, or or when you loved them, or you had that moment together. You would both, as as if it were, if you could both wake up at the same time in your cocoons and look over at each other, you would be like, "And I yelled at you, but the only person I was yelling at was me. That was me. I was yelling at the whole time." And the other person would be like, "Holy shit, that was me, who was frumpy." That was me who was detestable. That was an aspect of me. That was a part of me that was irresponsible. There was a part of me that was a bum. There was a part of me that was successful. There was a part of me that owned houses in Bora Bora. There was a part of me that's a multi-billionaire. There was a part of me that mm -hmm. is this child here or this teenager here. All of these things are aspects and reflections of my experiential expansiveness. Mm -hmm. Those were all me. Mm -hmm. And that's... Great, big, huge, aha. Not just intellectually to think those things, cause, but to see it and to experience it totally, yeah. yourself. I think that'd be a good name if I did, like, if I posted these interviews as um, experiential expansion. Uh -huh. That's a good name. That's a pretty good name. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. And we are an experiential expansion of another all. I remember sitting there and like these ancient phrases that I, and there were there were modifications of ancient phrases that I remember hearing glimpses of, or ones I didn't even hear of, um, these ancient concepts of like, I am, mm -hmm. right? Now, sometimes we think like in like the whole like ancient Hebrew text or whatever, like I am is like the name of the great source creator God, right? Mm -hmm. And I am the creator of all that is. And these are titles put onto this other being. That wasn't what it was. It was a key, an information, mm -hmm. a piercing of light, of, of truth, truth, into the earth plane dimension yeah. so that you heard it. It was mm -hmm. a piercing of truth. The truth was, and say after me, children, I am the creator of all that is. Because mm -hmm. kids, you are. Mm -hmm. I am that. You are that. I am the creator of all that is. The I am that. The I am that. I am that. I am, I am, I am, I am, I am, and I am for myself, and I am that I am. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, fucking, fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. It isn't describing some superiority, social hierarchy, person, unobtainable, judgy self thing that lives out in the space mm -hmm. somewhere. It was the message of description of the character of who you are so that you would wake up. I am the creator of all that is. Yeah, exactly. All that is before me is yeah. of me, by me, and for me. And I, and it is all created by love. If you enjoyed this episode with Joseph that just cut off at the very end there, don't worry. Another episode will pick up basically where we left off. Thank you for listening. Have a good day.